You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible. Paul Noonan of Acme Packing Company and Shepherd Express. We are racing frantically against JR's battery life on his computer. Uh, and oh, we'll make it. We'll make it. We'll make it. Okay, we'll we'll see. We got like twenty six questions. Um, and uh, I guess we can intro you because you're not in urban Wauwatosa, which is weird no, and disturbing. Not this time. Yeah. No, it's true. I'm out in uh, in downtown Milwaukee, as it would ha- as it would happen. In the big. My city. name is JR JR Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Hanging out. Hanging out in my normal office here, which is kind of nice, although we've had some tech difficulties all the same. So it, it, it's a normal show. A normal <laughs> it, it reporting is eligible. It is a normal show. Um, uh, let's let's just dispense with formalities here. Um, Matt is here, is also here. In- hey, what's happening, everybody? My name is Matt. You can call me Matt. Backpack Packing Company, Meme Weaver, and uh, Whiskey Wizard of the Twitter.com. Mm. Oh, is that, th- is that the thing this week? Uh, yeah, after I called my shot on the Packers being a second half team that was uh, oh yeah that was great that was good work (laughs) yes that was an excellent I'm disappointed that we're rocking only an audio medium given how sweet Matub's Christmas sweater it's is pretty great yeah. you know I, I put a selfie in the Acme Packing Company Slack chat I'll put that up on uh, on Twitter for you guys all right cool yeah you do that anyway wouldn't you you would including including a picture of me usually while I'm looking off to the side or like I don't know, doing something ridiculous. I'm, I can't even wait to see what this one's going to look like. I know. Because I've been sliding side to side trying to fix my computer. I, I'm drinking an Advent Calendar beer, um, which is weird, and I've never heard of any of them so far. It's fine. They might all be the same beer in different cans, but we'll never know for sure. It's hmm. The way Advent was supposed to be celebrated, I think. I think that's how Jesus did it. Half yeah, hammered? That's exactly yes. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn. All right. Um so uh, we should probably talk about football. Um, <laughs> we're having technical difficulties right now too, but they're the awesome. Are so and real, hilarious. Guys. So, um, so uh, we 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 like we're good. We're good, right? We're just good. Our team is good at football. Good. Yeah, we beat we beat the Chiefs who are good, and then we beat the Lions who are good, and uh, we're like a big scary monster team now. And uh, that's how I'm gonna go with this. So. Um, that game ruled. I think I think that we are the the plucky team plucky that people team. don't want to see in the wild card. Absolutely true. And um, that game was brilliant. Um, I oh, so good. don't remember feeling this excited about a Packer game. Um, like I know I have ever, but not not over the last few Rogers seasons where expectations have been high. And I feel like 
they've won some good ones, but they've also kind of underperformed a lot of the time and not won by enough. And he does dumb stuff on third down. Like this was just a great all around performance. Everybody played well. They weren't expected to win and they were actually pretty dominant in it, even though the score was close at the end. Um, and all of our young players are all good, even the defensive ones. I don't know. It's just, it, it's such our kicker. He made kicks. Uh, it, it, <laughs> um, it's it's just good across the board. I, like that I, was that has got to be one of the hardest quote unquote gimme kicks of all time, right? Well, I don't know. Who would call it? Did somebody call it a gimme? I'm talking about the 48. Yes, people yarder, were right? like, it's it's straight on. Obviously, he should get it. No, 48 yarders at Lambo are hard. Like that's very very <laughs> difficult. Especially, did you hear the broadcast? They're like, he missed some going this direction in warm-ups. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, obviously, I only cared about Taylor Swift for the majority of this game. Yeah. So I, I, I'm just, I, I have to come back to this thing where I really, Paul, you convinced me that Jordan Love wasn't going to happen. I don't even know if you tried to do that, or I don't even know if you really felt that way. But you convinced me that it wasn't going to happen, that 25-year-olds just don't become more accurate. And then the next, the, the past four games have been a completely different sample. So I don't know. I, I still feel like it's too small. I still can't buy it. It's just not big enough, the sample. But, man, he looks like a, <laughs> he looks like an all-pro, cal- not all-pro, that's too strong, but Bowl caliber quarterback out yeah. there. And he, he, he's, he's making plays, man. He, he looks like 92 Favre. He looks so much better, um, and like over the last four weeks, I think he is second in QBR and second in EPA per play. Only Purdy's ahead of everybody because Purdy's ahead of everybody. Um, He's going to win MVP, right? I, Brock Purdy. Yeah. Nerds hate Brock Purdy. Matt hates Brock. I don't. Oh, I actually man. like Brock Purdy. I think he's better. Than I don't Purdy. hate Brock Purdy. Sure Why you are you saying I? Ryan hates Brock. Well, Purdy. Ryan hates him more than anybody else hates him. But we're, I just think Brock Purdy looks like the guy from Can't Hardly Wait, which he does. Which is, I think, uh, I think in his favor, honestly. Like, sure. what happened to that guy? Uh, is his, that guy in other he, movies? Uh, I think he's okay. So my friend Jenny actually like literally ran into him a couple years ago. <laughs> so, like, I know that he's still alive. Well, that's good. Congrats <laughs> on still being alive. I feel like they were priming him for bigger stuff and just never happened. Um, but like, I mean, I, I've had to do a 180 on Jordan Love too, because that's true. They usually don't get more accurate. It's just not a thing that happens. Um, but it's happened more recently for a lot of NFL quarterbacks. So that might be over. Like when Josh Allen got good, we were all kind of like, oh, that's going to break quarterback analysis for the next 10 years with people being like, oh, that guy might be the next Josh Allen. Turns out, no, that's just a thing now. Um, If you look around the league, the teams that are smart and have good offensive systems and are patient and good organizations have a lot of good quarterbacks from a lot of non-standard quarterback stock. Like Jalen Hurts is a second round quarterback and is very, very good. And Brock Purdy is a seventh round quarterback and is very, very good. Um, and, and, you know, we, we can always go back to Josh Allen as well, who is very, very good. Uh, CJ Stroud is playing for Shanahan people in Houston. So I think maybe, um, I mean, it's always been important to land in the right spot. Like if you, if you land with the Bears, you're just kind of screwed. Sorry for that. But um, I, I think that offense has gotten sophisticated enough that, uh, you can if you're a quarterback like people can work with your tools now uh, it's not just about one thing or being like the prototypical you know steve young perfect accuracy passer like if you're good at some things everybody's good at getting the best out of you now and it's it's nice we have we have a team that did that yay <laughs> um every was anybody bad 
in this game? Yeah. That, did any, oh, any, Campbell. Devondre oh, Campbell was bad. Oh, yeah, he was kind of bad. I'm just looking for something there. because uh, Jonathan Owens I mean, was also bad. <laughs> oh, how dare you? Simone Biles was a was a content Look, fountain. I refuse to hear slander about out, Jonathan Owens. Outside of Jonathan Owens having a completely legal hit on Pat Mahomes that was flagged, yeah. he was he did not have a very good game. All right. But also, Devondre Campbell, he was always like in the place he was supposed to be two steps too late. He has got a bad case of the old. Hmm. Yeah, I think he's well, he's just a little old. Good news is everybody's young except for him, so it's working out. It's working out. Christian Watson was amazing. Romeo yeah. Dobbs is amazing. I'm just reading off your. Let's just go through the rundown. Yeah, Romeo Dobbs, Tucker Craft, Dontavian Wicks, you know Ben Sims, Malik Heath, even Jaden Reed. Well, Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed did not have a great game. I would say he was the other one who was kind of bad, but not terrible. Just like uh, kind of took a back seat and wasn't super explosive when he caught the ball. And okay. I think he might still be hurt too. He's he's had a chest thing for a while, right? That's mm. that's his problem. Yeah, he'll like he will randomly appear on the on the injury, injury report, report mid yeah. midweek. Hmm. But it doesn't matter because well, he was I'd... like the fifth guy in targets, so who cares? And he was still totally fine and taking up double teams and stuff. But uh, uh, even like lo- the line was pretty good. Like it, it was just all working on offense. Uh, Lafleur, I think, called his best game. Um, maybe ever, certainly of the post-Rogers era, like for sure. The guys were wide open all the time. Um, A.J. Dillon looked good again. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's just hard to say a bad thing about him. And they do so many different things. That's the other thing that's fun about this young team. Like Watson is a good burner. He is good with the ball in his hands. He gets hurt all the time. But um, he, he learned how to catch when he's covered and it <laughs> is, is now amazing at it. Apparently uh, Romeo started just taking that. I have good hands thing to, to, to heart and catches everything thrown his way. Uh, he's been you hear Collinsworth the- said he had vice grips for hands. Yeah. Th- and we used to, <laughs> when we started saying that about Romeo in the, ch- in the slack, we were making fun of him because yeah, he had better hands than the rest of them, but he still didn't have good hands objectively speaking. But then ever since then, he's, he's literally caught everything that's been thrown to him. Um, I mean, he, was that was that slant on like third down? Like it was a money down that he got a first new set of downs on and uh, took just a monster shot. Yep, and he had to he had to catch the ball like out in front of him. Well, and the bomb was on fourth and one, like the the prayer bomb. Well, that that was a <laughs> drop in the bucket. Also, can we talk about what like the announcement announcing staff, aka just Chris Collinsworth, was saying every nice thing in the world about Patrick Mahomes. And then Jordan Love throws arguably the best pass of his career. Not even arguably. That was the best pass of his career. It was a fadeaway, drop in the bucket. It was amazing. Collinsworth goes, he must be good at cornhole. It's like, shut up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't have the announcers on when I listen to football. Just make you mad. I, when at, so at first that play, the fourth down, I thought he screwed it up. Like, First of all, A.J. Dillon was open, wide, up, wide open he in was. the middle to get the first down. So fourth and one, you you he hucks it deep. I thought, why would you do that? That's not his strength. It's a well, it's an evolving strength, I guess. <laughs> it's going to put the Chiefs in a situation to legitimately win the football game. I was so distressed. And then when he caught it, when Romeo caught it, I thought, well, that was into triple coverage. That was really risky. They got super lucky. And then you have to watch the replay to realize how good of a throw it was. And I mean, it wasn't it wasn't completely devoid of luck. I guess one of the Chiefs could have stuck stuck a stuck a fingertip in there or something. But it was a really well executed, well executed moment. Just a just crazy number of moments that Jordan Love had in this football game. 
Yeah, he was brilliant. He was on target. He was making every single read correctly. Um, fell off just a hair late when they got a little conservative. But, I mean, still was brilliant, all things around. There was even a late play that was supposed to be a screen, I think, to craft um, that the Chiefs blew up. Like, they got somebody right in his face. Somebody missed a block. And it's- it was it, – it was so craft uh, actually um, had to do, like, a bluff block. And then um, Love had – yeah, I think it was – it was someone up the middle. There was, like, I think a blitzer that didn't get identified. Yeah. And then um, – sorry, I don't know if you can hear my dogs fighting in the back. No, no, you're fine. Uh, Okay. Um, and so, yeah, like he had to get rid of it way faster than he wanted to, but Kraft had just green grass in front yep. of him. It was a perfectly called play. It was. And I still think it wasn't that even that bad of a throw because it was a throw away from the guy who was guarding Kraft who was still tangled up with him. And it was one of those plays where if Kraft is just a little more alert, he still might grab that blown up play and run for a touchdown. So I even yep. like that bad throw that he had. So. Yeah, because, I mean, it was it was in a spot where either his guy gets it or no one gets it. Yeah, exactly, which is what you want. Just those brilliant. touchdowns to Watson, man. That's that's the start of his reel, <laughs> the uh, the Hall of Fame reel. Oh, I, I, yeah. I got to talk about. You have to talk about. I think it was the second one. Um, th- that was like a Watson late, late over the middle play, where Love like goes through all. You can see him go through all of his progressions, and there's nothing there, and there are just a ton of Chiefs within like a foot of him. And I've everybody, every other quarterback in the league, I think, panics there, throws it away, or just goes down. And instead, he just like completely resets. You can just see him like up, oh, starting over. Like um, he steps up like a foot. He's still in the crowd, and just calmly hits Watson with like guys all around him after sitting there for like four seconds. Um, it was a such a brilliant like veteran play where I feel like every rookie quarterback in the world panics the, the hell or runs out of that and. He's just cool. Like he's such a cool character. He he seems to never lose his cool. All right, what about the defense? Do we like it? Is Joe Barry coming back? He's coming back. <laughs> yeah, have- he's definitely coming back. Are we sure of that? I really don't know if I believe that to be def- definitive. It sure seems like it, but I don't know if I believe it, guys. Like is the theory still up there if if there are friends available, they might go for friends over Joe. I think the problem is like Joe's metrics are not terrible. Like this is, they're like fifteenth in defense. They're they're like in the middle. They're a middle tier defensive team. Right. But he still gave up like 150 yards again. You know, he's got the same old um, Joe Barry problems. But like, yeah. it's gonna it's gonna look like at the end of the season that he took a bad defense, which was his fault. But that had a lot like had a lot of players that are decent on it, and lost a lot of players like Razul and didn't play with Jair much of the season, um, and added a bunch of young players. And that they improved. I feel like the the narrative for Joe is going to be really solid, and so that's why I think he'll be back. But I mean, if Matt's got a friend out there who he likes more, they could they could do that. <laughs> well, hopefully, Sally gets fired because <laughs> that's the only shot of not having Barry. That's the best friend available. Yep. But uh, I we've, we I know we have a lot of questions on Joe Barry, but he has the same Joe Barry problems he always has. Like they still got gouged on the ground up the middle, and uh, with by Pacheco, who's not even that good, honestly. Um, but power running always gets this team and they still are just dumb on third and long. I don't think there's any other way to put it. Like they seem to not understand what the goal is on third and long. I feel like the goal that Joe Barry always has is don't give up a touchdown on third and 18, which is a stupid goal to have. <laughs> Your goal is to force a punt, you dope. Uh, third and 11 too. <laughs> like the third and 18 was horrible. It was horrible. Uh, I, I, I wish that, I, I don't know, if someone should put the Auburn-Alabama game on in front of him, clockwork orange style, for like 10 straight hours, 
where Auburn rushed two and Alabama got into the playoffs because Auburn rushed two. Like it almost happened oh, on man. the end at, on the last pass of the game too. That's they rushed three that were nor nobody was anywhere close to Mahomes. Like I, tell you what, I will volunteer to be his eyedropper guy for that experiment. <laughs> this team though is going to get beat by a third and long or a fourth and long play in the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, which looks more and more real every day. Yeah, they're going to make it's, the playoffs. It's going to be a fourth and 26 redux, man. It is. Why would you say, why would you say that? Because it is. Because Joe Barry does it. it is. That was basically a fourth and 26 redux. It was Andy Reid. It was It was against us. Was, oh, gosh. Oh, it was Andy Reid. Yes, it was Andy Reid. He's yes, good at that. Um, but yes, it's a problem, um, and it's a, it's a Barry problem. It's a philo- philosophical thing, and it's um, and go, everybody should go look at Andy Herman's screenshots of people wide open against our dropping eight coverage, and just send them all to Joe Barry at the stage. Did you see? Did you see Ross Uglum? Uh, he's like, "Hey, look, here's Travis Kelsey wide open. Yes, here's Travis Kelsey wide, wide open. open again. Just like, terrible. Just terrible. It's like, he's like, they have one receiver. It's Travis Kelsey, and you left him open. Yep." But something has to be said for the way the defensive backs have operated without Jair Alexander, because it's true that they've got a Ballantine Valentine thing going on, and it's not burning them down the field. Yes, Travis Kelsey was open a lot, but it's not burning them down the field. They haven't had coverage so, breakdowns to leave like MBS yeah. wide open. We true. have a we have a masterpiece of a Patreon question about that exact uh, oh really topic, and I, I kind of want to save it. Okay, okay, let's we save can do it. that. However, I, I I will just really quickly before we move on from it, um, say I do feel like a lot of their issues on defense are not individual efforts so much as they are um, the the wrong the wrong scheme for the wrong down, and um, dropping eight and not rushing people on third and eighteen is I think exactly what Andy Reid would like you to do. I think that is his preferred defense that he would like to be facing because it gives you time to get guys downfield 18 yards and it gives them time to get open because Mahomes isn't going to get caught by three guys uh, ever because he's fast and three guys won't get home. So like that's what you that is exactly the play call you want in that situation. And so yeah, I think individual effort on all the DBs is pretty good. It's just you got to put them in the right position to win. You made this point on the rundown that I have a little trouble understanding or at least con- contextualizing that the Packers are second in the NFL in terms of length of opposing drive it takes three minutes for the defense to get off the field three minutes of game clock time is that right that is correct and the point of that is that um, a-, a lot of people have made something of the fact that the Packers haven't allowed that many points over the last several games their defense as a point defense is pretty good Um but a lot of sure. that is that people are rushing all over them. Yes, people are and rushing all over them, which play. wastes time. Uh, the Packer offense is not as slow as it was with Aaron, but it's still a slow offense, so it also wastes still, time. Okay, the the first drive of the game, they were in the hurry up the whole time, and it took eight minutes. It seriously <laughs> almost took the whole quarter. There were only like four drives in the first half, right? Like it. There, there were there were two drives in the first quarter. Yeah. Was... <laughs> so a lot of that, the, a lot of the pure point. Um, stats are just that there's not that many plays in a Packer game and the defense is actually a big part of that Uh, the defense does not get people off the field and so they give up long long time consuming drives which are uh, they're slow and that is helpful kind of but it also you know disguises the fact that they're they're pretty easy to move the ball on that's all Uh, Keyshawn Nixon was 
start a game, maybe? After, even though all those offensive guys were great. Keyshawn Nixon with the amazing interceptions and returns. Well, he did you see the post-game interview where he said it was all film? That was awesome. Yeah. It was great. Um, so I, for, for the listeners who didn't see it, yeah. um, Nixon said that he was watching film for, uh, was it mannerisms, he said? Yep. And, and he saw that... Um, what the tapping when Mahomes taps his knee, what that check means, and he like just ran his guys route for him. Oh, that was beautiful, yeah. and just a great read and recognition on that play when he sees it coming. Uh, no effort at all from Skymore to break it up, but I, I think that is the play of the game. I think that'll be on a lot of um, best of the year lists when it's all said and done. Um, it, and uh, kind of like what we were just talking about, it was a great individual play from Keyshawn Nixon to actually make that happen. Uh, and you know, g- good good tape study and whatnot but it's not like he was helped by scheme there he just made the correct read and made a great athletic play and ran that route like he was the receiver on it um but yeah that it really did win the game for them i think that allowed them to go from a five-point lead to an eight-point lead they they turned that into a field goal and you know five-point lead against Mahomes is much much more dangerous than that eight-point lead at least felt like all right worst case here we're going to overtime we can maybe stop them on the two-point conversion and you know didn't even come down to well, that. we had at that point we had already stopped them on Once, the two yeah. point conversion yeah and that was the thing about the officiating decision you know the obviously the terrible call that did not call pass interference and we can talk about the officiating too but they they um, that was pass interference I, on marquez that was opi uh, <laughs> okay they had just, but they, they had he was, the defender was playing the ball and Marquez impeded him. That was OPI. Yeah. Matt, he was Fight all me. over okay. his back. It's, he was playing he jumped the ball. On his back. He was playing the ball. Okay. Listen, listen, keep dreaming, but it's fine because they still had to essentially score a touchdown twice. They would have had to score from whatever that is, the five, and then also hit the two point conversion. It absolutely could have happened. The Chiefs are the most dynamic, creative offense on earth, but it isn't. You know, like if it had been just a six point game or seven point, if it had just been six or seven points, I would have said I I would have felt much worse, I guess, as a Packers fan. Oh, yeah. They still needed quite a lot there. And they did. Two point conversion. They could have done it. They maybe could have done it. Two point conversion is like a 40% league wide um, proposition for the Chiefs. It maybe is a little better than that, like 45 Mm -hmm. or 50. But yeah, you're right. It it adds a huge, it like cuts to your odds of winning hugely if you've got to get that two point or two. So yeah, I was feeling pretty good about that too. Really appreciated how the Chiefs handled that afterwards. Both Mahomes and Kelsey asked yep. about those plays at the end, including the uh, whatever pass interference on a hail mary. Like, give me a break, guys. We've we've lived through the fail mary. There's no such thing. I think, uh, Justice said it best, and he actually retweeted himself from like two months ago. Nice. He said, "I'm pretty sure you could use a firearm on a hail mary, and it wouldn't be called." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's true. Uh, so, but they, but they they did not buy into that at all. They're like the Packers were the better team, or or you know we still make more plays. And I mean I think they're right. Like the Packers were the better team. That's the crazy thing yep. about this game is not that they got lucky or that they you know grinded one out. You know they just it was a close game because of the pace. But they were they were the better football team. That's that's wild to me. And I think that that's two weeks in a row against teams that are going to the playoffs. Teams that are probably going to win their division. That. They were the better football team, yep. and I could not have envisioned this a few no weeks ago. Uh, well, right now the Packers' odds are a plus two thousand to win the division. So, get your bets in mm. now. <laughs> Packers outgained the Chiefs three hundred eighty-two yards to three hundred thirty-seven. Chiefs had a turnover. Packers didn't. Um, the Packers were actually penalized more than the Chiefs were. So, if you want to lean on the refs for too much, don't. Um, it, and yeah, the Packers just out outgained, outplayed them, and. 
um, one of the best defenses in the league, and they they scored the most points that have been put up on the Chiefs this year against them. So and the second second most passing yards yep. so far against them, and not by much. I think the most they gave up is two fifty nine, and Love had two fifty three. So yeah, lots to be proud of in this one. What was your favorite Taylor Swift moment before we get to questions? Um, the time when she said she wanted to unalive herself. <laughs> what? Oh, you, I don't know you, what you're you talking about. Seen, you haven't seen that. You you haven't seen that clip going around? No. No, I have. Oh, it was it was. I think it was after the the hail mary. Someone was like filming her in the press box, and she said, "I'm gonna f and KMS." <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I don't understand. I I guess I I guess I hadn't yet bought in that she huh. was that invested <laughs> in the on field. really invested. <laughs> okay. Um, I only saw um, one shot of her in the game. I was not paying that close of attention to Taylor. They were careful. Yeah, they they seemed to not put her on too much. Yeah, definitely that was a thing. And I I don't need to talk about it. Just the the level I think of vitriol from some people who are getting really frustrated with this Taylor Swift coverage, which which I do understand to some degree, um, and in other degrees I I, I don't understand it. I, we saw the power of Swifties getting out there and 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 doxing a few people for uh, for posting flight information, which Ooh, wow, I completely forgot about that aspect of it that's not fun but i do think the broadcast tried to play it down to a degree and make it more about the football which was really good so that certainly helped it like if it's a three touchdown game i think you probably see taylor swift more often probably so and uh yeah i thought i thought it was perfect but by far my favorite thing was the tweet afterwards that the uh the the song that she writes about the officials in this game is going to be such a banger (laughs) (laughs) that was such a good tweet (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i love it Shall we get to questions? Let's do it. All right, Donald Anderson. I swear, hand to God, I thought of Donald Anderson the second this play happened toward the end of the game when uh, when Jonathan Owens was hit with a personal foul penalty. He said, update, the Packers have gone zero games since receiving a personal foul, but that one was so wrong, I am retiring this bit. Okay, I don't I don't want him to retire this bit. What I want him to bit. do is to to uh, like count it as a negative, so like we have to start as like it's been – one week, week since you looked since at, you me. at me, yeah. Act your head to the side and said you're angry. <laughs> shoulder tackling, yes, I got it, I got it. Um, shoulder tackling an elusive ball carrier inbounds is uh is not a, is not a thing. And the refs doubled down on that after the game, which kind of blew me away. They're a so bit, bad but... on on the pool report at doing that. They never yeah. admit to doing anything wrong. It's very annoying, and it does not help your credibility. Yeah. It hurts it. Yeah. All right, back to Donald's question. The in-game player swaps at left tackle and right guard seem to be working. The offensive line seems to be playing better since they started this. Am I seeing things? And if I am not, why is this working? Uh, It is. It does seem to be working. It's weird. Usually offensive line continuity is better than swapping guys in and out. I do not know. Um, It is maybe maybe guys were getting tired. Maybe Sean Ryan is getting in there for run-specific downs, but... I don't really think that is the case. So I think so, it's probably just noise. But I have a theory. Okay. Um, I think it's competition because, uh, like, Rashid Walker posted a picture of himself, like, during the, like, at, like, a game picture of himself on his Twitter. Like, he's not usually an active tweeter, but, like, he's like, here's me playing left tackle. Like, <laughs> so I just <laughs> wonder right, if it's maybe. like, I wonder if there's, like, some kind of internalized competition among the, the swap ease competition works sometimes. That's a good enough theory too. But it is unusual that, it, and it is unusual that it's working. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Uh, we uh, so I wish somebody would ask. But maybe it's also camaraderie building to some extent. 
um, you know, if you can hand off and tag out every once in a while and uh, say, hey, good games. I don't I, I got nothing. Yeah, <laughs> It's weird. <laughs> Keep doing it, though. Jonathan Deal says, assuming Jordan either stays at the near elite level or continues to progress, where does the 2020 quarterback class rank among other notable classes like the 2004 and 1984 classes? Okay, we can't compare it to the 1984 <laughs> class. Why not? Okay, how many Hall of Famers came out of the 1984 class? Well, like two? I mean, uh, no, it, gonna... I, I, should, I should go back. Is it three Pro quarterbacks? What's that? So, I mean, you've got Elway and Marino, obviously. Yeah, that's the two, um, right? Like, you've got the GOAT and a guy probably in the top ten. Um, you had uh, the guy the Jets took. Ken O'Brien, right? Ken O'Brien, like legitimate pro bowler. He's fine. What? <laughs> uh, but, okay, but how many how many um, drafts have surefire Hall of Famers at quarterback in the first round? Multiple. Um, I mean, not many. That's true. Like one out of every five years, probably something like that. Dude, I'm, sorry, I'm trying to pull that. it up right now because I'm forgetting somebody who's in this draft. Yeah. But like, okay, Burroughs, Burroughs hurts and maybe we'll never reach the pinnacle, but there's probably a chance Burroughs in the Hall of Fame eventually. I, I'd say not, not a great chance right now, but it's possible that could happen. Um, I mean, and he was a real reason why a team went to the Super Bowl. So you could, you know, yes. he, he's got he's got some assets in his on his resume. Yep. Um, I don't think hurts. Uh, oh, also Jim Kelly. Sorry, and we're thinking of eighty three, not eighty four. Oh, so yeah, you had, uh, oh, yeah, had, you had, had John Kelly too. Yeah, that's probably better. Yeah. <laughs> John Elway, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, and then you had uh, Ken O'Brien and uh, Tony Eason. A lot who, of it probably depends on Jim. Herbert. Because I still think the jury's kind of out on what he is exactly. I don't um, think the jury. I don't think the jury's out. I think he's. I I think he could be in the elite three, four, whatever, in the future. Well, that's the jury being out because right now he's not. Is it? Right now he's just. Oh, he's. We have Matthew Stafford at home right now, and. That's, <laughs> <laughs> but like a lot of these guys could um, still work though. Like Tua could still be good. I don't think he will be, but he could be. It hurts uh, if he actually gets a Super Bowl or two. You know, he'll have the Eli case, even if he is not that great. Um, and then, of course, you still have all pro Tyler Huntley in this draft class, too, which is a thing that happens. Does that count? Wasn't he Wasn't he undrafted? Oh, he was undrafted. You're right. Shoot. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> he is this class, but he was undrafted. That is true. Alas. So, all right, let's... Okay, let's not as good, but in, in, in the ballpark, I'd say. It was very good class. Yeah. 2004 is a, is a... Yeah, you got Rivers, Big Ben, and Eli... It's a, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Burrow to uh, Herbert Love hurts. Um, and then if you want to count, uh, I will screw Huntley. That's We're going to count Huntley just to make just, you happy. I'm counting Huntley. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Like, <laughs> it is it is very, very good. So we'll see how it ends up. He was draft eligible. Yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> Ryan Ziegler asks, is Fleur Sember greater than Craig Tember? <laughs> <laughs> It's a it's a Love funny baseball thing. crossover. Yes, good baseball crossover. For those who don't uh, pay attention to baseball, Craig Council is very 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 good at managing in the, the last month of the regular season in baseball at getting the most out of his bullpen. It's a legitimate thing. The the Brewers usually go crazy and to make up deficits. And uh, of course, Matt Lafleur is undefeated <laughs> in December, which isn't is, it? It's it's the longest streak in history. Isn't yeah, it? it's like six. 16 games now? It's very, very incredible that that is still the case after 
this game especially. <laughs> so um, I, I think Craig Tember might be a little better because I think it's harder. Uh, first of all, I think Council actually does make strategic changes in the last month of the season to get the most out of his team and is often doing so in desperation to get into the playoffs and it usually works whereas this is just kind of a neat fact about when the Packers win games um but it's very very good uh and it's well it, it dovetails nicely with what Green Bay is you know you're supposed to be good in the cold weather nonsense and we are and it's nice to kind of have that back after not having it for a while so um Craig Tember's better but the Fleur Sember is also very good as well it is the 2020 he... draft class of this analogy compared to Craig Kemper's <laughs> 1983 draft class. I think you could argue that it's a sign of just him adjusting to his, his staff or at least getting the most out of his staff, whatever whatever that is. Because, you know, this is not this is a big number now of December really games is. that he hasn't lost. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Obviously, there's been some January hiccups that we don't even need to go into, but like, yeah, maybe go back to last year when Christian Watson kind of came on at this point of the season. Like, there seems to be you know, maybe it's just about tinker, tinker, or, or get guys better and better and learning the playbook. And at some point you're like, okay, we're here. And in December, everybody's clicking, clicking on all cylinders. I think, yep. I think it's great. There's so much turnover on a football roster, like to, to be good halfway through the year. I have to think that's, that's not an uncommon thing. And he seems to be getting the most out of it. Indeed he does. All right. Mark put Scarby, uh, Mark put Scarby lower on the, uh, question priority order this week. People were anxious to get in this week. I can understand. I wanted to record right away. I wanted to record Sunday <laughs> night, baby. Literally, we we got a DM from Jr. at like midnight. He's like, "We're gonna record in like ten minutes, right?" <laughs> oh God! I was I'm ready. Dead. I was fired up. Uh, I was admiring the uh, the traffic on our website at that time. It was a really good night for us, you guys. It was so good. <laughs> uh, it was everything. It was I couldn't have in my wildest dreams. <clears throat> I couldn't have imagined a better a better situation. Mark Putscarby says. Was this the best win of the Matt LaFleur era? I think yes. Um, only because the, yeah, the playoff fair. wins they've had have been, I mean, they're good. They're playoff wins. But, like, the Seattle one in 2019 doesn't really stick with me personally. I don't think about it mm. ever. And that Rams game, like, it was a good win at the time. Um, but they were kind of beat up and... Um, they they did the thing where they scored on Ramsey. And they kind of blew the Rams out of the water in that game. And it was... It was a good win, um, but it 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 still doesn't stick with me that well. I don't feel like that was an overwhelmingly good Rams team, and everything else is a regular season game. And I think this is the best regular season game in the Lafleur era, like for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I think this is it. If you want to get technical about it, I mean, a Chiefs a win over the Chiefs is not as important as a win over an NFC team, division foe like the Lions the previous week. True on the road. I, I'm I'm not. I mean, I I felt I feel stronger about the Chiefs win because of national audience a lot of attention it's it's just one more step closer to what their what their goal is but yeah. the the lions game is going to be more if you want to be like kind of hair splitty about it yeah i think that's fair they, they were also um odds makers had them as bigger underdogs against the lions than they did against the chiefs sure also true i just for me this one um i, I think it's been an open question as to how good the offense is and whether it was just beating up on garbage uh, in this nice little run that they've had. And the Chiefs are the first team they've run into on the defensive side that is objectively not garbage. Like, they actually played good offense against a really good team. This was the prove-it game for me. So uh, I think this this one really counts a lot. Yeah. All right, Maid, Maid Wiley says, are JR and Matub starting to be convinced about love in the Matt LaFleur system? Also, is Christian Watson back? 
Was I unconvinced? About I feel like it's weird to address that to both of you and not me. Yeah. Maybe he confuses our voice. Maybe. Um, I'm convinced. Um, I think he's good. I've seen I've seen enough at this point. He he can execute the offense well. He's a good the, quarterback. Something that that is kind of weirded me out about this game. All of his super impressive throws were Farvian. They were fadeaways. They were sidearms. They were like like they were all off off axis throws. And so like maybe his problem with his deep ball is trying to put fundamentals into it and not just like yeeting it. I think that's true. I mean, we talked about it before. It looks like he's do, he's trying to throw a deep ball like someone taught him how to throw a deep ball um, instead of just heaving that sucker out there. I think that is part of the problem with that. I agree with that. Um, so like like the the fourth and one deep shot is a fadeaway. Yep. The uh, touchdown immediately after is a sidearm like while moving just a beautiful sidearm while moving throw so yeah like like maybe love just just needs to be like running while he's throwing every pass yep is it sustainable though to do that stuff like it it worked for brett Favre. he was and also look 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 jordan love has madden stats right like he has a 50 percent completion percentage and he does really well over the middle so obviously he has to play like he's a madden player and just run (laughs) <laughs> and throw on the run the whole time. <laughs> he was good in the pocket in this game too, though. He was good at making throws on time as well. Like he was good at both things, which is what you have to be. And it, all right, scarf twenty one. Oh, there's oh, a second question, which is: Is Watson back? And oh, I think well, the answer there is more. yes if he can move. Right? Like, <laughs> do you know? Do you know how many people tw- added me on Twitter? They're like, "Hey, multiple data points now, right?" Like, <laughs> yep. Because remember, I said I wanted to see three, so we got two. Yeah. Contested oh, catches. Can get a third. Just got to get him in the game again. I need a third game. But, okay, so he came out of the blue tent after, quote-unquote, blowing his hammy and was, like, giving high fives and stuff. He was. So. It looked good. I agree. Yeah, we're going to find out. Uh, they've got to hold him out a game or two yeah. at best, at best-case scenario. They just they just can't get the guy healthy. It's tough. Scarf 21, in the span of just a few weeks, we went from should we draft another quarterback to we have our franchise quarterback. <laughs> what do you think contributed most to Jordan Love's dramatic turnaround and do you think this is sustainable? Uh, there's so many things. Uh, I do. First of all, I do think it's sustainable. I think a lot of it was the development of the targets. Because early in the season, it was just kind of hard to tell who was at fault. Uh, early podcasts this season for us are almost all like, there's so much going wrong. Uh, it's hard to tell who's actually the worst here and what they should change, if anything. And the receivers started running correct routes. They started actually fighting for balls. They... Um, Luke Musgrave started running down the field instead of running that stupid out play that he always runs. A lot of it is just drops not happening, make completion percentages better, give you more opportunities and more first downs. And I think that there was a conscious effort to teach fighting for the ball too over the last few weeks. I think that Watson turnaround is not an anomaly. I think Dobbs actually getting better at that too is not an anomaly. I think there was a realization that there are going to be some balls that he throws that are um, you know, not wide open throws, and that you got to go get those. Like your big guys, go do that. So, also, do you do you think the lack of Musgrave is the same as how Lafleur acted when Devontae was out? Like he can't make Musgrave run the stupid out because he's not there. Yeah, so he be. has to run the stupid out with with Kraft, who's good at that. Yeah, that's his job. <laughs> that's what he's supposed to do. Could be, but and they like, started using when Musgrave De- correctly too when he was yeah. on the field. So not that simple. But also, like with with Devonte out, Lafleur called a more uh, efficient offense. I guess like he didn't run the stupid bubble screens and yeah, that kind of crap. Um, and I think a lot of it also is 
the way they spread the ball around. Um, one of the things that Love has done well all season and in the preseason was make the correct read. Even if he didn't always make a good throw to the correct read, he almost always made the correct read. And I feel like early there were a lot of forced throws to Watson and Dobbs when they just weren't open. Uh, and um, Dobbs, I think, has been very, very good lately. But if he is like your number one receiver and getting you know, 10 plus targets a game, that's not what you should be doing there. Um, instead, what you have is Dobbs running more Dobbsian routes and Dontavian Wicks running like 14 yards down the seam and uh, Reed getting more open because people aren't focusing on him as much. It's it's all gelled together. And the one thing that you could count on love to do is actually pick out the correct guy, follow the offense, make the right read. Logan Inderdahl, that's a new name. I don't know if he's a new patron, but uh, not a name I recognize from the past. He's been on the baseball one at least once or twice. I know, I know that. I've... Yeah, and he's asking a baseball question. So I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Absolutely. All of those, please. On a scale of Evan White to oh, Ozzy Albies, how good slash team friendly does the Jordan Love mini extension look right now? Evan White, a former Mariners player who has not played in the big league since 2021 after he was signed before he made his first big league plate appearance. Wasn't a lot of money, was also a disaster. Ozzy Albies, who signed for a woeful below-market contract early in his career and is getting paid very little to be very good, very, very good. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the parameter we're dealing with here. Um, Tough comp. More Ozzy Albies in that A.A. Jordan Love appears to be good, but um, not really applicable to either. I, well, okay, I see the Evan White comp now. Um, Love's deal <laughs> is for only two years, and then he's going to get paid. So... Um, you know, I think he's going to get paid on May 3rd. Yes. He's going to get paid very, very soon. That's a better question. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not, yeah, it's not really comparable to either one because it was a, it was a, I think a good deal that worked out well for both parties. It got Jordan Love a bunch of money. It got the Packers a chance to check all this out, but, and and the natural consequence here is, okay, you're good. Now we're going to make you, now we're going to get paid a whole bunch of money. So it's not, Ozzy Albies isn't going to get paid for a long time. (laughs) He's going to be old. Yep. Um, Packers are lucky, I think, that Jordan Love accepted it. You know, like he, he seems, I mean, it's a no brainer for the Packers. You have to know more. You needed more data. And Jordan Love could have been like, nah, man, I put in the work and yeah. I know I know what I've got. And uh, I don't know if there would have been a team that would have just been eager to like shove a bunch of money at him to give, to, you know, take the risk that the Packers were taking. But uh, they're, they're lucky he took it because yep. uh, it's gonna it's gonna work out for all parties, but it's it's gonna really work out for the Packers. All right, JD says if is Jair's shoulder the new Bakhtiari's knee? A little tongue in cheek there, but it sure is frustrating. Sub question: If Watson now misses some time due to what looked like a hamstring injury, can we still keep this efficient offense rolling without him? More snaps for Wicks seems like a good thing. Uh yes. On the first question, um, I mean. <laughs> so you're saying Jair's shoulder bothers him when they play on turf? <laughs> Not like that. Just it, it just pops up kind of all the time. He's always day to day. You never know. We ruled that do. out, Matub. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but we still my my clairvoyance early in the season. I was the first person to say that we were going to see Bakhtiari show up on the injury report. Remember? I mean, nobody yeah. else, nobody else in the blogosphere had that take until I did. Did you say he wasn't going to play again? Because that is a very specific take that you're taking. No, but I specifically part. said they're going to go into Atlanta. It's the same turf that hurt Rodgers. He won't play. Incredible. And he showed up on the injury report the next day. Yes. There you go. We know now that he was, he had a devastating injury. Yep. Or at least it got yeah. to that point. And I think 
I do think they can withstand missing Watson. They're actually quite deep at receiver. They don't have anybody who does exactly what he does. He is uh, he is kind of a super fast monster, and he has gotten good at those those deep throws. Um, but yes, Wicks can do a lot of what, what he does. Not all of it, but a lot of it. And Jane Reed has been doing less of the jet sweep and gadget play stuff since Watson's like since Watson has gotten healthy, honestly, over the last couple Paul, of weeks. It was the first play of the game, Paul. Yes, a jet sweep to Watson. <laughs> yes, Reed has been doing no, less the, of a jet, that. No, a jet sweep, a jet sweep to Jaden Reed was the first no, play was, of the well, game. Did he run another one? I don't think he did. He ran another one. Yeah, Watson he had two ran carries two. in this game. Watson yes. had two. Mm-hmm. Okay, well he's <laughs> he can do he can just do that. He can be the guy in the offense <laughs> who does that while Watson is out. That's fine. I am surprised as I'm looking at this that Dontavian Wicks does not get 50% of the offensive snaps. He he did the first four weeks of the season. You know, there were some injuries there. Started a couple games. Has not cleared 44% since week four. Yep. This last game, 39%. Before that, 33%. I mean, he's he's getting an uptick to a degree, but I'm surprised that they don't treat him like their best receiver because there's an argument that he is their best <laughs> wide receiver. There is, there is an argument, but it's not a clear uh, argument, and I think that's his problem. Uh, the big problem here is that Watson and Dobbs have a year on him, and both have been good in their own right. And so, yeah. if you're going to give him more time, you got to take one of them off the field, or you got to run more four receiver sets, which you know it's not really their game, and uh, it's it's a luxury to to have him there as your your third outside guy and your backup, um, and. This is what you have him for, you know? Watson gets hurt pretty much all the time. I, <laughs> I, I just, okay, the uh, Malik Heath hype train, I think, got a little overdone before this game, <laughs> where I believe people said that he was going to play the Alan Lazard role. I might have even parroted that. By the way, Jaden Reed had no carries in this game. You were so, wrong. Uh, it, was, it, it was a touch pass. <laughs> they were touch passes, but it's the same effective play, technically. Okay. And and uh, uh, one of Watson's sweeps was a touch pass well. As he well. had two carries in the game, though, so two to zero. That's fine. But the first play of the game was a jet sweep style play okay. to chain read for nine yards. Fair enough. Um, But, yeah, so, like, I think that the person that he's actually going to push is Heath. I think that's the one that you're – you're going to see Heath drop to almost nothing, and Wicks will take. Is he more than just a little bit north of nothing now? Yeah, he gets like 10% yeah. of the snaps. Yeah, but then he gets targeted <laughs> on like every snap that he takes. He does get targeted, if I remember. He does, he does. I bet you'll see Wicks go up a good amount. I bet you he gets 60% next game. All right, Price Trozen says, there was a lot of credit given to the offensive line. To me, it seemed they were leaky. Was that the Chris Jones factor, or were they actually good? My 90s album name of how I feel about the Packers making the playoffs and getting the sixth seed, definitely, maybe, Oasis, 1994. <laughs> well, that's it's also very applicable because the lead single uh, is what the Packers have to do in order to make the playoffs. You have to go Which supersonic. Forever? Oh, yeah, supersonic. Also a jam. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know the order of the, the singles. It's The, the pre-What's the Story Morning Glory Oasis is... Uh, there's there's a lot there, but uh, so it's, it's before they flawed. hated before they hated each other. Is that like their songwriting oh, was different? Yeah, I think they always hated each other. Yeah, I'm sorry, I was five years old when that album came out, so it's kind oh, of course, hard. yeah. <laughs> Yo, um, for me, it's uh, the the Pearl Jam Magnum Opus Ten because Ten Wins, baby, that's happening. Yep. That's gonna happen. That's it. It is the Mookie Blaylock number. Um, yes, I think the line. Yeah, I think the line was good in this game. 
Uh, I think it is the Chris Jones factor that that is a good defensive front, uh, and they held up reasonably well against it. They had a couple of high-profile blown blocks in it, um, but generally speaking, Love did have time. Um, honestly, I think Mahomes was under more pressure than he was for the most part, so I would I would say it's a win. You're not going to be perfect against a good front. You're just not. Also, the the fails were spectacular, and that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> they were. They were. They, they were amazing until they were awful. Yeah, there was no like mediocre blocking that game, and so like Josh Myers, who you, you guys know, I'm one of the loudest critics of Josh Myers, <laughs> had a phenomenal game yeah, except did. for one yeah. snap. But his one snap was very loud. It was very high leverage. Was very was very obvious. Yes. Yeah, um, but also he... by the way, Jr. That. Pearl Jam album ten, yeah, it's just an all timer. Like, oh my god, I did not realize how many ten album. <laughs> no, I did not realize how like I like like the four songs that, by Pearl Jam that people my age know are off of that. Yeah, yes, from 10. that's correct. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That is true. That album is uh, it it, it just does not miss. Nope, I mean, I actually not. like other Pearl Jam albums better, but like it's it's the seminal moment. It's it's full canon. Yeah, the greatest uh, the greatest of of Pearl Jam. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Josh Myers, Keyshawn Nixon, Jordan Love all have very different feelings about them in December than I did in October. Absolutely. <laughs> they, really I mean, I, I literally was on this podcast saying, get this man off my team about Keyshawn no. Nixon. Right? And yeah. now he's the most valuable guys on the team. It's wild. It is wild. And, it's crazy. And there, I'm sure, is, I don't know if there's a Jair question coming, but there is a legitimate curiosity about the volume that he, the, the amount of time that he's been away. And if that's, Maybe the player taking his time or the team taking its time. Like, we're good here. You know, we've got something going with our secondary. Everybody seems to be on the same page. There might be, I don't know, like, I I, I don't have any reason to think that. But it's just, it is kind of surprising me that we haven't seen them sort of, like, get urgent about Jair Alexander because it hasn't been necessary. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Devlin Sheehan says, as a lifelong Packers fan, being angry at the defensive coordinator is a pretty strong habit. But the results on the field this year have me wondering, is Joe Barry kind of okay? No, he's got 18 first rounders to play with. That's. <laughs> I also just think the book on Joe Barry is very out there, obvious, and everybody knows it, which is they're pretty good at defending the pass. They can often generate a good, solid pass rush, um, but they're going to get gashed on the ground, and they're going to be in weird formations like heavy formations against the pass and not do the correct thing to get themselves off the field in high leverage situations. They, they're going to play stupid bend don't break. Like they're going to rely on the end zone to make their defense better at the end of drives. And it's just, it, it'll look good in fits and not good. It'll look average in fits and spurts, but it's not good. He's, he's still not good. This is right, a good, then... this is the regression to the mean Joe Barry year. Usually he is a bottom five defensive coordinator, but defensive, defensive performances fluctuate wildly based on a lot of things, strength of schedule, health, et cetera, et cetera. And I would think the first thing we said this year was the Joe Barry upside in terms of randomness is probably an average defense. And that's what you get. This is it. This and so, is as good as it gets. Well, also, the Joe Barry defense completely relies on Rashawn Gary sunning the best right tackle in football <laughs> or uh, LVN chasing down Mahomes for his first red zone sack. Yeah, or in Keisha like Nixon just trips. being a genius for a play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's so that's your Joe Barry defense right there, right? Like it's the same thing with like Dom Capers. It's like, oh, you have one of the best cover corners of all time playing free safety and calling your defense for you. So you look brilliant. 
Lily Joel Osment says, why was Kelsey consistently open? He looked about as fast as Richard <laughs> Rogers. Shout out to Richard Rogers. Does moving slower make finding soft spots and coverage okay. easier? I, I was I was actually uh, reminded of it was a Jason Witten. It was like a vintage Jason Witten game. He just like slowed his way yeah. open. <laughs> it was very much that. You could really see it on the Hail Mary at the end where he was very late getting down the field. It was very Richard Rodgers-esque. Um, so first, he is a good route runner. Like he does good. He does a good job creating separation. Part of this was a Joe Barry problem, though, where Joe Barry plays his defense and he plays his defense. And if their best receiver is a non-standard position, it doesn't matter. He will still get safeties and linebackers covering him most of the time, and Jonathan Owens, etc. And that's how he makes his living. So that's what happened there. A lot of he's good at finding holes in zones. He's good at that kind of. Kelsey's a good player. But yeah, also they didn't adjust very well to his presence, and he didn't have a huge game. He looked he looked hurt, but you know it wasn't super efficient. What is he like eight catches for like ninety yards or something like that? That's not yeah. a bad Travis Kelsey game. Sometimes he goes for buck fifty and two tutties. So um, it, it was fine, but he, good player uh, defense that doesn't know how to take away that kind of good player. He had four for eighty. Four for okay, four. For, I know it was eighty. <laughs> four for eighty. So, That's so it was actually his most efficient game. Very of very the efficient game. Super efficient game. <laughs> Only four. No, thank God. Up. Yeah. Um, and it, however, it, okay, here's what's weird. So it's his most efficient game in the season in terms of yards per catch, but it wasn't even close. It was like top three. No, not even top three for longest reception. So huh. his long was 27. So he just like, he was consistently open 20 yards down he the field. He had a Dontavian Wicks game. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Judge, love this one. People keep bemoaning how impressive the defensive success is without Jair Alexander, but isn't there a strong argument for addition by subtraction? Jair and Razul simply could not play together at all. Presumably that is why the Packers were happy to move him at the deadline, referring to Razul, of course. Maybe Jair would be good without Razul, but who knows? Availability is a skill, and Jair doesn't have it. Is it possible the Packers are better off without him, period, especially with the contract? Yes. Ooh, <laughs> it's <so> possible. <laughs> So yeah, it feels like sacrilege. We were loving that guy last I year. I think in a vacuum, Jair Alexander is a very good player. Um, I agree that he is. He and Rezul do not go well together. Rezul is very good uh, cover corner. Jair is a very good uh, zone corner, and that doesn't always match well together. Although it helps if your defensive coordinator isn't an idiot. Um, and the other the other problem though, I will say with Jair is I do think Jair is very into Jair and not into being a part of a larger scheme. And that does cause problems sometimes. And that I'm not that is do not imply do not take away from that that I think he's like faking an injury. It's more like when they're in situations where the season seems lost, he will freelance for interceptions and he will get smoked doing so. He will try and yeah, just just watch the Bears game last yeah. year. He, he will make big plays. He will make it about himself. And usually he does snap back into playing well, um, but. He's been not great this year when he's been on the field. He's been a liability. So, so Jair to me is what happens if Haha Clinton Dix was actually good. Like yeah, he, he all plays, right. He he plays the way Haha did, except he actually is an athlete and a football player and can actually go after things. Um, yeah, yes. I can see that. That, that um, also, that did, did you guys see Razul lose the game for the Bills against the Eagles? A yeah, couple weeks ago? I didn't. I didn't see that. What happened there? Uh, Hertz went right at him, and Razul just like Daria volleyballed him. 
He just like held his arm up. <laughs> that, he, it was it was Starting not a good. Starting a volleyball is so specific <laughs> and so good. Oh, That's perfect. That is exactly what he did. <laughs> there is such I, a I, small subset of humanity who gets that reference or cares about that. I, I I needed to Gen X you guys because I because I made the reference yeah. of how old I am. So Nicely I wanted done. to bring it back problem. to the nineties. <laughs> oh, elite. Uh, Dennis Williams says, not so much a question, but an observation. How nice and refreshing is it to have a quarterback that appears to not be an effing head case? No apparent baggage, no chips on his shoulder, no delusional thinking about his relative place in the universe or where his relatives are in the universe, I might add. Uh, no huffing and puffing or rolling of eyes. I know there's time to develop all those bad habits, but so far, love seems to have picked all the positives from Rodgers to emulate while leaving the worst behind. Thoughts? So I, I, this brings me back to draft day the like the movie not, oh god the actual draft yes do you guys Bo remember Callahan, what the big, baby okay do you guys remember what the big flag on Bo Callahan was wasn't he at a party where stuff got stolen or something none of none of his teammates went to his birthday party oh yeah, right. yeah 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 that yeah. was the big red flag and I just keep going back to the picture of uh love looking a little out of shape on a boat with his teammates in the off season <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and it's like, oh, people like him. And like his girlfriend is normal and posts funny things on Instagram. And his mom is a very nice lady. And it's just like, I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> uh, point of order. His girlfriend is a two-time Pac-12 all-conference player. She is not normal. Now, I, I know that's not what you meant. You mean normal like a normal human being. Yeah. She yes. is like a, a subset tier of excellent athletic excellence just wanted to point right. that out gotcha. so what's funny is is prior to him getting drafted she was more social media famous than he was so yeah. like he he would appear in her tiktoks <laughs> awesome yeah it's like garrett mitchell on the brewers has a similar situation yeah. but i um i i the only thing i could say is that brett Favre and aaron Rodgers may have always been that way but that is not what we thought of them in the early going so there's yeah especially brett Favre. Devolved. yes yes and brett Favre rocked that good old country boy thing for a very long time all of my relatives were like in love with the guy i have a bunch of stuff i have, like, I have an autographed brett Favre football i got a movie about him over here i got a book that's called four on my bookshelf um and you know, you know, you never really know anybody who's an athlete, and in, in, unless they decide to tell well, you about themselves. Like, what's funny is that we we should have known his senior year. He got in a drunk driving car accident and lost a foot and a half of he, his intestines. He did. Like, he did. We, we I, should know that. I do feel like we glossed over that a little bit. It it turned into it. It turned into like, is it Ron Wolf a genius to have gone back and scouted him <laughs> because he wasn't playing because he got in a drunk driving accident where he lost a bunch yeah. of intestines? Like, oh yeah, wait, hold on. Yeah, but then like Jerry Glanville didn't like him and jerry glanville likes everybody yeah i think it's exceedingly rare to find somebody as talented a, a talent who also has his head screwed on yep. and uh jordan love has been through the ringer you know like he is the he was this indirect object of aaron Rodgers' frustration over the last few years and he's had to put up with a lot so i i feel like he's probably better for it having come through all that and he sure seems awesome he right? does. like there's no no knock on him at this point but uh you know, we got we got 15 years to find out of carving up the NFC before things go south, guys. This is a good situation yeah, to be in, do. really. Uh, Aaron Savage, how happy is JR today? Packers won. Taylor showed up. Yes! Jonathan Owens was relevant in the final minute. Kind of everything's coming up. Content. <laughs> Simone Biles got some... This is me talking now. Simone Biles got some foam hats from Frozen Tundra Man. Yep. That became a thing. Taylor wore an amazing red coat. I don't know anything about red coats, but that became a thing. Um, I mean, so obviously my 
my love for content is is well documented. Also, a little tongue in cheek. I mean, this is my job, so it's not completely tongue in cheek. But like, it's not like I actually love content more than my family. It, yeah, I like my family more. <laughs> um, <laughs> Top but, ten times my son annoyed me. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, Sunday night was a lot of fun. I'm yeah. not gonna lie to you. Sunday night was really fun for me, being part of the coverage team. I wasn't doing a lot personally. I I, I was doing very little, in fact. Um, my colleagues did all the work and um, the the game coverage was really good. Tom Silverstein and his blogs, amazing stuff. That's just stuff you get every week, but we had our entertainment team on it. The the team in Green Bay did amazing work. The people at the Green Bay Press Gazette who are, you know, kind of following this, the photographers, Mark Hoffman with the Journal Sentinel, but, but he's not alone. Like there were so many people involved on this. And I know that seems like overkill, but it was so worth it when you saw, I mean, our site was nuclear on a Sunday yeah. night and it was it was really fun being kind of the center of the universe for a little while. Like not, not exactly, but you know, a lot of people were coming to our site that don't normally come to our site. It was really, really cool. And it was just fun to be a part of. It's just, it was just like, that is, that is stuff I I really do get worked up about. It's really fun to be, to be in the middle of that sort of thing. Everything came up content. It did. Richard Proctor, who did AJ Dillon freaky Friday with for the past few weeks? The Brandon old Jacobs. Oh, that's a good one. Good that's really good. Yeah. Yeah, like he, he finally learned how to play like a big man and learned how to use his body. He also, um, per, per Match Nightman, who dug this up, does get better as this season goes on for some reason, which um, is being spun positive, maybe should be a little bit more like maybe coming to camp in a little bit better shape. But <laughs> uh, his success rate in December and January is over 50%, and it's below 38% the rest of the year. So it's probably just noise, but... Um, when the weather turns cold, AJ gets better. So there's that. I, okay, so the thing I really hate about that is is when Eddie Lacy would get better as the season went on, and it likely was because he was getting into shape throughout the season. Yeah. Um, but people are always like, you know, like those big backs, when it gets cold, they don't want to tackle them. And I'm like, it's their job to tackle them. They want to tackle them in January. They want to <laughs> tackle them in September. Like, <laughs> It hurts to get tackled when it's cold, too, you know? It's not a, yes. it's a two-way street. <laughs> Uh, Patrick Detmer, what was more embarrassing, the officiating crew in the last minute of the game or the NBC production crew uh, trying to dissect a routine Hail Mary play in slow motion to build the narrative that the Chiefs had the game stolen from them? Uh, tough call. Both very embarrassing performances. Um, I actually, The officiating screwed up on like four consecutive plays. Yeah, very, much. very badly. Um, just just horrible, horrible officiating in, in the worst moment possible. Um, so, yeah... Um, I you know if the Packers I, lose that game, the play where the official ruled that the tackle was made out of bounds to stop the clock in a, on that last drive when he was very much tackled in bounds, yep. that could have ruined the game for them. It that was really consequential. I saw some online controversy about that call where uh the there's one account that definitely stands for the refs and explain calls. I forget what it's called. Was saying that they will actually rule that a dead ball and stop the clock if the player is intentionally running out of bounds backwards. Um, mm. And, uh, like, is ruled that it, it was complicated. Like, uh, I feel like if you're trying to go forward and you get stopped going forward, the clock runs. But they're saying, like, if you're getting out of bounds and you're clearly trying to get out of bounds, it stops. I still feel like he was trying to go forward, and that that analysis is still wrong, even if it is true. But yeah, that was a huge call, and the announcers were also like, you know, that shouldn't that should be a, a 
how many times have we seen the official run up to that exact play and like swing their arms around in a big circle and make a big deal out of nope didn't get out clocks running like that happens all the time on that play and it it just yeah. looked like a bad call immediately when they did the, the clock stop on it and um, yeah so that was horrible and also huge absolutely gigantic play 100 percent and, then, and obviously and the then, other calls were bad too yes they were <laughs> the, they were all bad too including the mvs no matter what matt says that was still a bad call well and the, the hail mary they did spend a lot <laughs> of just, time on i've the chosen it i've chosen a side all right that's <laughs> they did spend more time on the hail mary than i thought it was merited like yes it was a two-handed shove for sure it, it was a lot a of things. he was he was bracing himself well and, there, was, uh, there was no extension of the arms kelsey moved away from look, him i don't know there were a lot of other shoves too i like, just mean like yeah that's a that's a hail mary like it's it's a sl- slab of humanity. Like, you know, it's. Do, do you no guys remember? To, you're just jockeying for a Rand- position. Like, the the Randall Cobb Hail Mary against the Giants at halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, Cobb full on like decked a. De- yeah, that was like an, before catching. That was arms extended all the way. Very very obvious. Yeah. Like also, he bruised his chest. <laughs> Kelsey didn't put in any effort to get to that ball either. He, like he was all out of sorts on it. Uh, he didn't. He's a giant man. He could have just backed up a little bit. That's, you know, he wins that battle. And he immediately, his reaction was, eh, game's over. Game's over. He didn't care. It wasn't, it wasn't like, I got pushed. It was, stupid football. Um, The Richard Rodgers, Hail Mary, I'm not sure there was a lot of pushing. I mean, he obviously had to run, like, was still getting into the end zone by the time that ball arrived to him. So I know he wasn't guilty of it. I don't recall anything like that. It might be an outlier. Yeah, that's true. He was late. He didn't give him chance himself a chance to get shoved. <laughs> He's so slow. Mount Doom ninety eight says, "I know Paul doesn't watch with the sound on, so does he know how big of a loser Collinsworth?" So I did have the sound on for that. I turned it on when the clock, uh, when, when when the clock got stopped on that out of bounds play, because I wanted to actually hear what the hell was going on and if there was like a penalty or something like that. So I did listen for the last part of it when they started making bad call after bad call after bad call. So yes, I do know how big of a loser Chris Collinsworth is. That is that is fine. I like him. He's fine. Uh, They're Collinsworth all fine. is okay, but he's him and Tarico don't go well together. I think I, I think that actually might be true. But also, you know, you cannot evaluate an announcer when you have a dog in a fight. It's just you can't. It's just not. It's possible. possible. Everybody sounds like on. they're against you. I also I will cut them a little tiny bit of slack for the hail mary because they had just seen four consecutive bad calls, and it is human nature to be looking for a fifth consecutive bad call when that happens. For sure. It just is. Mark Hackett said, Mark Hackett's a new, a new patron, I he think. Is. The future is Mark very is Irish. That there is no doubt. Mark is Irish? Mark, Mark is Irish, meaning in Ireland, yes. Shouts to Ireland, I love it. Has this team actually arrived, making the young team narrative obsolete, or should we all just rein in the enthusiasm back a little bit? He says, new subscribers, so indulge me with a second question. The love throw to Dobbs when the ladder was surrounded by three defenders. Was that inspired or very ill-advised? I can't decide. We did talk about that play a little bit. Yeah, and I think just to reiterate it, it was inspired. It was the correct read, and he was barely open, and it was a great throw. So, um, and I, it, was on, it was on time. Yep. And also, also anybody who has, who has the stones to throw the deep over, <laughs> oh, man. Like, I want that guy <laughs> with the ball in. <laughs> absolutely yeah so uh, if, as far as the as far as the young team narrative i feel like they're gonna they're gonna blow a game here like they're gonna lose a game that they were supposed i do to feel like that will probably happen that's just a young team thing to do like yeah you know do you guys it, think it's this one do you um, think it's the tommy, tommy i'm not DeVito sure game? you can under prepare enough to lose to tommy devito maybe you can 
But, I mean, the the Giants are on a two win streak with Tommy DeVito as the starter. Yeah, but not he's been awful. I, they're, they're a little scary. I mean, they did beat us last year. They're I think the Giants are I think well coached and poorly run, if that makes sense. So you can get surprised by them if if they show up randomly. Uh, I thought Tyrod was going to play, and then I then I thought that was on the table for sure. Um, Tommy DeVito sucks though. They should be so okay. the 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 line opened. <laughs> he what? Kenny Pickett also sucked. And yeah. he beat the Packers. He, uh, Tommy DeVito, Kenny Pickett is an NFL quarterback. Oh, <laughs> Tommy DeVito is, <laughs> is not an NFL quarterback. Tommy DeVito has a game with a 137 passer rating. Yeah, I know uh, he, he does. Like I know he does. Times. He, he is very, very bad. Go, everybody needs to go watch Tommy DeVito play a little bit. He is awful. Hmm. PJ Wessels, per summer sports, the Packers had zero negative plays from an EPA perspective. No plays below 10th percentile of EPA. Is that a fluke? Or a product of improving execution. That's crazy, actually. Um, <laughs> probably a little bit of a fluke, um, but they're definitely executing better on all the plays they run. Uh, they they have a yak guy catching yak passes, which is a nice change uh, from what they have done in the past. And AJ has been actually creating explosive plays. That probably helps that a lot too. Aaron and AJ were having trouble when they were both on the field together. Um, and, uh, if Aaron is still banged up when he comes back, that will probably continue because he's old. Uh, but yeah, uh, they're just, uh, I think they've gotten everybody into the correct spots on the field. They're playing people where they excel. And so execution, better personnel and yeah, just uh, everybody gelling. I am the very model of a, wait, I am the very model of a modern major general Asilatam says, I keep seeing references to the Packers' defense holding teams to less than 24 points in a game for eight straight games in a row. There it is. Why is 24 a big deal? <laughs> if we were talking about 10 or 14 points a game, I'm, I'm on board, but 24 seems high. It seems like if the Brewers <laughs> bragged about only allowing five runs per game. <laughs> I agree with you because it's that's more than three scores. That is uh, <laughs> actually. Right, so I, I was always under the impression that 20 was the goal. And like like you hold someone under 20 and cool. you give your team a chance to win. Yeah, a couple things to this one. Scoring is down across the NFL this year. So 24 um, in previous seasons maybe would have been actually pretty good, but it's not this season. A lot of teams are holding people below 24 points. The reason it's 24 is because it lets you go back to the Detroit Lions game where they allowed 34 points. Uh, and that is how uh, random endpoints work when you're trying to make statistical points. That 24 was against the Vikings um, uh, in October 29th, and it makes the streak longer if you can include the Denver game and the Raiders game. And it, yeah, it's not, it's not a big deal. It, it points given up doesn't account for pace. It doesn't account for uh, just points too. Uh, maybe the, maybe people are accounting for like defensive scores. Not that we've had those, but um, it's it's just a random thing to make Joe Barry look good and to put something on the streak. Uh, I mean, they've barely scored over twenty four points during that streak. <laughs> they've scored 27 and 29 the last two games, but before that it was 23, 19, 20, 10, 17, 13, 20, 18. You got to go back to the Falcons before they scored 24 again. <laughs> Aren't they also like bottom half of the league in points per drive? Uh, yes, I believe they are. <laughs> so so there you go. there's just a lot of noise in that stat. Points are never a good way to, to tell what a defense is doing. 
Uh, we're going to try to fly through. The, we, we've got yeah. a lot of questions left. Oh, my God, we do. Let's go fast. Yeah. Yeah. Holy Scott crap. says, four weeks ago, I dropped Jordan Love from the fantasy team named after him and missed two Packers games in a row. Apparently, this sent me into simulated reality in which the Packers are good and Joe Barry has activated some kind of cheat code that allows his defense not to be a disaster despite being weak against the run and featuring a secondary entirely of unknown backups. It cannot be all pace and Rashawn Gary. So how is Barry doing this? And should he get some credit for it? Um, a lot of it is the noise that we just talked about, and a lot of it is that the Packers have actually gotten out ahead over the last few games. And it's the Barry defense is much better when you are ahead and the other team cannot just run over and over again to catch up. Helps a lot. It explains a lot of it. He's been not terrible, and I will give that to Joe Barry. But uh, as we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast, uh, he is still doing the Joe Barry things that are bad, and eventually they will come back around and hurt you again. Hmm. Danish Cheesehead says, I'm a big believer in on-the-job training. The recruitment potential is much larger, often cheaper, and the training may better install your organization's values in the new employees. Yep. Obviously, if you are a in a high-leverage situation and or very impatient for the NFL, both, it may not work so well. But my question, how valuable has the following on-the-job training with the Packers this season been? Number one, Jordan Love revealing he may be our future franchise QB. Number two, the bunch of first- and second-year wide receivers and tight ends, which will be... Uh, on cheap contracts in the big year, 2025. And Joe Barry, number three, who suddenly seems to have been taught by Matt LaFleur, just <laughs> a bit of adjustment and flexibility. Please count me in the confused about Joe Barry camp. First two, huge. Mm, not as much adjustment yeah. as we said. Yeah. First two, I was going to say, like we can just end the Joe Barry discussion here, skip yeah. over all things. Um, also, by the way, shout outs to Big Believer in on-the-job training. I have an associate's. I work a pretty lucrative career. Tear the paper ceiling. <laughs> um. Yes. Jordan Love, I think, is a good example. Not a lot of teams actually sit quarterbacks. Uh, Whenever this discussion comes up of whether you should play them right away or sit right away, uh, most people, nerds especially, say you should play them right away. You're wasting value if you don't, etc. And that there's not a big enough sample size to evaluate how sitting a quarterback actually works. Um, That's true, but that's not an actual answer. And for the Packers, it's worked really, really well. It's probably a good idea, especially when you have a quarterback who can benefit from like mechanics coaching from uh, the kind of practice that's not game practice where you're working on things that just in college you didn't have any work doing uh raw guys with a lot of physical talent guys like love and uh, guys, guys like, like tim boyle uh, yeah no but Ro- <laughs> rogers too where rogers was a mechanical mess coming out of uh cal and got fixed up nicely as well so yeah under the job training very good for quarterbacks and the packer system clearly works very well same thing for number for the the receivers too. Mattingly Sideburn says one of the more encouraging signs for Love during the past five games is the increase in his completion percentage. Yep. I'm trying to wrap my head around how sustainable this recent trend is. Seems difficult to delineate how much of his early season accuracy issues are due to his ball placement and how much comes from the fact that he's throwing to an inexperienced group of route runners. A receiver breaking his route off too early at an incorrect angle or with incorrect timing could make the throw inaccurate. Is there any way of quantifying this? How much of his improvement in completion percentage would you attribute to better ball placement, and how much would you attribute to the improvement of his receivers? Uh, I think most of it is on the receivers. Uh, they were they were just very, very bad for the first part of the season. They're now routinely in the right place and are making hard catches where they didn't before. I do think his ball placement has gotten better too, but I think that the surrounding cast has helped him quite a bit. I was going to say 70-30 receivers ball placement. Yeah, I think that's about right. Dutch Boy 5 says, I'm really not a roller coaster fan, and I really hope this is not, not one of them. Uh, really not one of those questions, I presume. Hard to believe where we were at hard to believe where we were at the low five games ago to the high now. 
love better execution, Matt LaFleur better play calling, Barry not totally screwing up, nervous that we might be headed for a little fall, or as Paul would say, regress to the mean. What say you? Is this just part of the up and down ride, or do you think we stay close to this level of execution? Also, if you're a roller coaster fi- fan, what is your favorite? Ooh. <laughs> um, I'm sure there will be some downs. We are riding high right now. We are playing some of our best football, but young teams do. All teams in the NFL have ups and downs, young teams especially. And the, the rest of the schedule is easy. Uh, I, I agree with JR, what he said earlier. I think we'll drop one to at least one, maybe two, to some of these lesser teams. We'll have just a letdown game. But I think uh, all things considered, that that's part of the NFL, not specific to this team. And this team is good. I think they've shown enough that they that we can count on that. So enjoy the ride and you know don't get too down when they actually do drop one or two because this season's been good. And... Uh, the, I just was actually, I took my kids to Epcot the other day, and the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster at Epcot rules. It's great. Highly recommend. Mm. I get sick on those things, man. I can't I can't even do like oh, I, the so, Wizard at Great America. I can't even do. So I grew up with Cedar Point, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Millennium Force is probably my answer because at the time it was the like when it was built, it was the fastest and tallest roller yeah. coaster in the world. But it's actually a good roller coaster, it's not just a gimmick. Right. So, like, it uses its speed to have a good loop, and it's it's great. The uh, uh, Cedar Point's where I first saw the dragster, and I would just watch it because it is fascinating to me. This is a mm-hmm. roller coaster that is over in a very short period of time. It just— 27 magnets, seconds. 27 seconds. I would have said it was less than that, actually. It just takes you up as high as you can imagine and then back down again in in this incredible like zero to 90 speed i'm sure it's not 90 i'm sure it's like it's it's 45 but it looks 125 insane. in less than two seconds it oh. is not 125 miles an hour yeah. it is a fascinating terrifying i will never i would never set foot on it well actually i probably could handle that because my body won't have time to get sick but uh <laughs> so wow as as a as a michigander who was a cedar point regular i made fun of the top thrill dragster constantly because it was a four-hour wait for a 27-second yeah, ride. Right. Oh, my goodness. And the first three years of its running, it only made it over the hump about 70% of the time. Oh, so it would actually go serious? up and then come back down. Yeah. Um, until I would the, die. So the tech, and they had signs that were like, if it goes up and comes back down, that's your ride. Get off. Like, oh, boy. All right. But I would die. A, a week oh before I moved to Colorado, uh, it, was, it was like late September. And so school was in session and my buddy Chris and I played hooky and we did a road trip over to Cedar Point. We got there right when the park opened and we just walked up to the front of the Top Thrill Dragster. And with no weight, it is one of the best roller coasters experiences you could ever have. It's not worth sure. a four hour wait. Yeah. So rope if you, drop if you can sucker. just get on and ride it, it is okay. The Top Thrill Dragster is the only roller coaster I've ever been on that has a camera at the beginning. <laughs> because it's the it's the takeoff that's that's yeah. the thing right like and you're so, just sitting there and suddenly your top speed it's wild yep so you can see that you can see the camera you're like it's right there it's 30 feet in front of me and you're like what is that gonna do and oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's good time yeah k time seven before the game i told my wife that if that we win if we score a touchdown on the first drive since she did not engage and went on living her life i will turn to you guys Feels like we can manage the game defensively with a lead, still offering the middle of the field and then trying to clamp down in the red zone. That seems amplified in the fourth quarter of the last two games. Couple that with an authentic run threat, hence the long drives. So this scheme works great. Do you feel confident if we punched first? This has been Matt LaFleur's weakness in the past. Yeah, they're better if they get up. They absolutely are. Helps with Barry, helps everything. 100%. Shouts to Ben Sims. Yeah. First touchdown catch, first Lambeau leap. Marvelous. Also, shout outs to uh, everyone who's not 
a Packer fan who was like watching that and going, oh, they're going to run it. And I'm like, oh, hey, look, they're in they're in a two tight end set and power eye. It's going to be play action. Yep. Like, <laughs> I knew that was going to be a Ben Sims touchdown. Just was Royce Newman eligible on that play? I do not believe I so. I don't think he was because I think okay. there was another tight end on the other side, too. It was uh, um, Kraft. Or, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Kraft on the other side. If yeah, Royce so, Newman so, caught a touchdown, it would change everything I feel about him. I, I would personally <laughs> love. If Royce Newman catches a touchdown, I will change the podcast thumbnail to be Royce Newman catching a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, uh, last one here. Case of the Sunday Berries. Just wanted to thank you all for letting us know what, that you use some of the Patreon money for good charity. I feel better about asking a dumb question now. Which Packers running back is your favorite all time? For me, it's prime Eddie Lacy. Speaking with Tubbs language there. Uh, love a violent running game that isn't just incidental quads to the head. <laughs> Best favorite running back. I love it. I mean, so I love a good Twitter deep dive. And Eddie Lacy had just one of the best Twitter deep dives from his time in Alabama. Um, also, yeah, I talk very much about how much I enjoy Eddie Lacy, the person. And following him and uh, Brandon, uh, last name escaping me at the moment. The, Jackson? The, yeah, no. Brandon Jackson? The Seattle, the Seattle game, Brandon. Uh, the tight end. Oh, Brandon the, Bostic. Brandon Bostic, thank you. Uh, Eddie Lacy and Brandon Bostic are best friends. And oh. they have a lot of content together, and they are just two lovable dudes. Huh. So, yeah, it's for me, it's got to be Eddie Lacy. Nice. Mine's, mine's Dorsey Levins, who was ahead of, well, also Brandon Jackson, but Dorsey Levins, who was ahead of his time as an outstanding power runner and pass catcher when that was not really a thing yet, uh, and underrated, uh, and not a long-lasting career, but one of the best rushing seasons in uh, Packer history. Also a monster in NFL Blitz. As he should be. He is a monster. He is one of the best players in NFL Blitz. He's great. Yeah, he probably had his catch in the, you know, against Carolina on that first Oh, the, the deep sideline. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to think of him just because that's like the first wave of success that we experienced as as like cognizant human beings when the Packers, well, we weren't even alive. We weren't alive in the 60s, late 70s, in the 70s. So, um, so yeah, he, I, I like him. I, I really, if, if we're not picking a Packer, the, the Beast Quake, the Marshawn, I mean, Marshawn Lynch, obviously being a large human being who just like ran over dudes. I love it. The beast quake where he just kind of threw a guy off of him. I will never forget how hard I laughed when I saw that the first time. So that's that's in my wheelhouse. I I enjoyed uh, enjoyed watching him run. I haven't. I mean, like since the West Coast offense became a thing, I haven't really like running backs aren't usually the fixation for for a team. You know, like I respected all of them. Amon Green when he was really good, and you know I liked him, but they were never like the players I wanted to see on a Packers team. You know. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, we're, we're done. done. We did it. Good job. Nicely done. Good. That's a lot of questions. Thank you all for the questions. Um, that was that was a great game. Fire so, before we get out of here, uh, Jr., anything you want to plug? Any Swifty and comment stuff out there? Anything uh, else? Yeah, we've got welcome to New York because uh, they're going to the New York, and uh, I I don't have anything really fresh. I, I got to do this really cool thing on Tuesday night where I hosted. Um, I was I was kind of the MC for an event in our office in downtown Milwaukee where. A lot of our readers got a chance to meet Tom Silverstein, the the Packers beat reporter, and you know just kind of did a little question and answer, and it was super fun. And it's it's the second time we've done one of those, and he's so he's so good, man. I he's just really good. So I would really encourage you to follow his live blogs. The amount, the volume of questions that he interacts with, <laughs> or or can't interact with because there's just so many of them. <laughs> in addition to reporting on what's happening, in addition to being able to write stories afterwards, like I I don't know if people understand what a feat of brilliance that is. He is so good at this. He's been doing this for 
you know, he's been in the newspapers for 39 years and 30, 34 with the, with the Packers. So I uh, really love this guy. He's fantastic. He's just a really good dude. Um, so I just encourage people to check it out at PackersNews.com, JSOnline.com. Obviously, Tom's also on the Green 19 podcast, which I imagine many people who listen to this one probably know what that is or have listened to it. So uh, just uh, just plug in that stuff because because uh, they they I really I just love our Packers team. They're just really good, really really good. They're great. Spoon rules. All everybody should do that. Um, yeah, spoon spoons a goat. Yep. Seriously. <laughs> uh, Matt, got anything? Yeah, so still writing betting content in Acme Packing Company. Find me for opening lines as well as player prop bets day of the game. But as always, call your best friend. Tell him you love him. Open yep. your best bottles. Life is short. Yep. Still getting rich on Dontavian too. So um. Yeah. <laughs> the streak has restarted, by the way. We lost the streak because he was injured, but it's back. <laughs> we, we should still count that. Um, okay. Right. So, well, then it's, it is uh, six games in a row that he has hit the over. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right, uh, my my shepherd columns up there. Um, I did try and record a parody song based on Taylor Swift and Bon Iver's Exile, and I did not get that done. Not because I couldn't sing it, and not because I didn't have lyrics written, uh, but because the karaoke version that I got as background music turned out to be just ever so slightly slower than the actual song, and no. I sing it to the actual song, and so I went to go and edit it, and it went, it was just not working, and I had to give up. So um, you will not get to hear that, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really ugly version somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, that'll do it. There'll be the mini pod on Friday previewing the game with the Giants. I'm going to be on a Giants podcast on Friday too. I will tweet that out when it happens because I forget what it's called. I feel bad about that right now. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for us. We have the Giants on Monday Night Football for some reason. And uh, hopefully we get through this against Tommy DeVito. But yeah, should be fun. Enjoy the roller coaster. It is on, on the upswing right now. Go Pack. Tabloid footprints in your hair. Tabloid footprints everywhere